Like, this is how it played into me. Because I was like, nah. Like, the whole movie, I was like, nah. No, no. Nah. <laughs> Hard no. no. What? No. I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're the ghouls next next door. door. Talk about spooky stuff. stuff. During the spookiest of months. Yeah. We uh, are the media literacy podcast from a horror lens where we explore the real life, historical, ethological, societal reasonings behind our cinematic fears even and uh we are haunted yeah because we're in haunted places we uh started out we were in haunted houses and now the houses are Are underwater yeah they're in the the underground water place they're they're in the wet you know (laughs) yeah so sunken um when we were discussing like cat has been pitching deep house for months um which is really surprising to me that's why i was like we gotta watch it like yeah if wants to watch underwater movie of some sort then yeah we have, we have to, to do, do it. it although now i'm like why did i want to watch <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> um it's okay it's just not my favorite any- anymore anymore <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little scary but it is doing it was doing Yeah, I think this is one of those where we're going to be split between them because I had a really good time. I Mm. was enjoying myself. I was having a lot of fun. I thought it was great. I've recommended it to people. Um, I just, I wasn't expecting too much and I got what I was not expecting. That was, yeah, that was a problem. I was expecting too much. And also, I think I just, I enjoyed it up until like, halfway through and then I was like this is dumb <laughs> oh, no. uh, um, yeah. but I'll I think it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah and and I'll definitely talk about I think the biggest thing for me and what I'll explain in this episode so if you're very interested is like the making of like that was really interesting for me the whole time I was like yeah but how <laughs> how are they doing any of this this is so cool and I remember my like partner was like how come nothing is mo- like why is everything stationary like everything is still in the place that it had been yeah. which is really weird because if like water had flooded in things would have been knocked over yeah like to so like yeah. how did <laughs> everything is so peculiar in this house and it's not really explained away it's more of just like we're not asking any questions yeah <laughs> That's this whole film. Like, and I ask. wanted questions. <laughs> that was my problem with it. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. There's like a lot missing in multiple areas, but it's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. Why don't I just hop on in? Do it. Okay. 
we're going to talk about The Deep House, which is from 2021, so very new. Uh, and it is about a young and modern couple who go to <laughs> France to explore an underwater house and share their findings on social media, undergo a serious change of plans when the couple enters the interior of a strange house located at the bottom of a lake, and their presence awakens a dark spirit that haunts the house. I guess. Uh, and it's directed by Alexander Bustillo and Julianne Mori, who um, did Candisha, which we have yet to cover, but I've heard good things, and I am very excited to cover that eventually. So <laughs> the film follows this YouTube modern couple who are known for exploring abandoned, creepy, and haunted places. I think it's just like if the place doesn't have people in it anymore, it's haunted. Yeah, that was the vibe. <laughs> it's like they were just in places. We first see them exploring an abandoned like asylum or hospital or something. I totally forget what they were, what they said it was. Yeah. They're just like, it's been abandoned and it looks like no one's been taking care of it. Let's so it, let's go there. Let's go where we shouldn't be going. <laughs> yeah. Um, we learn fairly quickly what kind of YouTuber Ben is. He jumps out at his partner while she's like kind of freaked out about where they are. Um, his partner, Tina, and immediately establishes himself as the true villain of this film. Yes. And I refuse any other... <laughs> explanations uh he is the villain and as soon as he did that i was like no (laughs) like this is the kind of person who would end up in uh aokigahara the forest and like stomping around where he shouldn't be yeah touching stuff he shouldn't uh and being like it's different so whatever um so ben and tina decide they are going to explore this sunken town in france which is tina's home country and it's clear uh tina is strictly in this for her love for ben though the lack of chemistry between them is palpable it's so weird there's like a time at the end where she's like freaking out and she's like are you okay, baby? I love you. And it's really weird. It's like clearly for her. She does not care about this I w- So I really wonder if the actors just didn't like each other. Yeah. It's hard. And it's also hard yeah. to have chemistry underwater. Like yeah. you're just in suits and you're kind of just like poking around. And I'll explain like there's a lot of just anxiety in the making of it because there was it, it's just not like any other film. Like there's a lot of complications just from the environment uh, that yeah. made it difficult to give any guidance or really have any control and so things are just like like it's amazing that it came out the way that it did yeah. <laughs> like I'm like very impressed I'm like wow you did that yeah. um so the film is a mix of found footage drones and regular cinematography uh which I think really added to the film I think if it was just through their lenses sometimes that gets annoying um yeah. where this kind of added to it in, in a beneficial way uh tina has been training for this dive but it's clearly and in, she's like clearly uncomfortable with the challenge yeah. and she any chance she gets is kind of like trying to get out of it and she we see her timing herself holding her breath in a tub and she reluctantly explains to ben that she's reached about three minutes three minutes which informs us just how much time she's going to be left with under the water at the end <laughs> she yeah. said about three minutes, I was like, okay, cool. So we're going to get down to the wire. That's how much time you got to get to the surface. Yeah. Um, ben makes jokes constantly about her wanting to get out of it and essentially joking that he is forcing her to do this. And he confirms our suspicions that he is a villain uh, by invading her privacy and filming her while she is peeing. Yes, seriously. He does that within the first five minutes of this film. And you're like, okay, 
Yeah, you're the worst. The villain. <laughs> Signed off um, on you having any redeemable qualities right now. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they get to the town, the part that's above water, and Ben wanders around and pretends to be a real vlogger, uh, explaining the town is practically abandoned even now and is dying, only to have it revealed quite quickly that the town is bustling. It's just that everyone was already down in the water enjoying their summer, and the sunken city that they sought, the supposed abandoned, creepy place that no one has ventured into, is actually a popular tourist and summer spot. And... While Ben is deflated, Tina is silently elated. Um, but then Ben gets to talking to a local named Pierre and learns that there's yet something to explore. An abandoned singular house tucked far in the woods and down the waterways, and the adventure is back on. It's for the views. Yeah. It's super. Strangers aren't <laughs> dangerous. They aren't. You're in a different country. They're not going to murder you. It's fine. Teresa's. Like, yeah. It was just like the dumbest <laughs> exchange. Like, why yeah. would you even think this was a good idea? It's such, and it's so random. Like, he just, does Pierre just sit there waiting for someone to ask about the sunken house? <laughs> like, it's like, of all the people for you to run into, yeah, this random guy is the one that you found. He went to get so, a drink and he's like, hey, guy, you're the 10th so person funny. I've asked in the last 15 minutes. You want to go see a house that's underwater? Yeah, like, uh, what? What? So weird. No. And then, like, there's like a whole, like, there, so, um, they journey to so they arrive at the destination and uh they're like driving there and the whole time like tina's having a conversation with pierre in french and remember they're in france and ben like pops in and is like do i need to pay for subtitles like are you kidding me <laughs> like can you guys speak english in your country please um yeah like what he's the villain i <laughs> And every time he was there, I was like, really? Anyway, they arrive at their destination after a hike from the main road. So they drove out to who knows where, and then they have to hike to the water. And this is a big red flag, but white people be white people in. Yeah. Okay. As we do, you know. That happens, right? And so, uh, first of all, you cannot catch me lugging my own oxygen through the woods to then go do more physical activity underwater. Yeah. Could not be me. Um, <laughs> so, so, I was feeling like I said the same thing. I was like, I'm not scared of this movie because I there was never a situation in which I would be here. Yeah. Um, I texted Kat when we were watching it because I was just like, I'd be like taking little hits of air. <laughs> while hiking. Hiking, like, okay. I'm like, no, not gonna be me. Um Ben lets Tina know they have one hour of air, which is entirely too little time to do an explore like at all um and throughout the entire underwater adventure i was constantly yelling to cat like how long has it been because it felt like it had taken at least 20 minutes just to get to the house and inside of it then they're exploring it for like ever and then they yeah. never account for that or like accommodate for the fact that they're going to need to get back up in a similar amount of time that it took them to get there because yeah. you can't just shoot right up <laughs> you can't do that when you dive like they have they do not at all talk about actual diving concerns which is what would have been really horror like <laughs> you just talked about like we're down here and that is dangerous in and of itself that you can't just swim up really fast to the surface we watch 47 meters down and they taught us things yeah <laughs> okay? and also it's like 
the way they enter into that, like there's just so many factors that just don't make logistical sense. In addition to just the time constraints, like one to 80%, I'd be like, I'm going back up. Bye. Yeah. The, 80% I, is not enough air for me to feel safe in this enclosed space. Um, and then also like yeah. the entrance to the house does not give enough room to like get out of there quickly. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it because <laughs> I have a lot of fear. Like this is how it played into me. Cause I was like, nah, like the whole movie. I was like, nah, no, no, nah, <laughs> Hard no, no, what? No. <laughs> like, the whole time, like before anything like quote unquote spooky happened, I was yeah. already afraid. And then like the spooky happened. I was like, that's not even anything to me. Cause like, you just <laughs> yeah, this. we could have just done this. This could have been the descent, but underwater. And I would have been <laughs> sufficiently. Yeah, like, Make the fish weird or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So we start our journey underwater and we get fun glimpses of cars and other usually above water things that are now underwater and therefore cooler. Yeah. And uh, Ben continues to be the worst. He laughs at Tina uh, when she gets caught on something and becomes panicked. And later he blares heavy metal music that scares the fish and me. Again, he is a villain. Um, and when they arrive at the property, the front gates are adorned with religious warnings and paraphernalia. And Tina remarks, I forgot how religious they were back then. And they completely both of them ignore or rather shut off their deep thinking parts of their brain moving inside without a wonder as to why it appears the townsfolk were trying to keep something evil in yeah this estate <laughs> so they never they will remark about something be like hey look at that thing and they're not like hey look at that thing <laughs> yeah. single time are they like hmm no red flags anyway they reach the house and it's oddly sealed up and why would you need to seal up a house that is going to be drowned? Yeah, like you've <laughs> they, abandoned the house. You don't need it to, yeah. They spend not a single thought on this query before working to find a way in. And one jump scare by fish later, they find the one way in. And they're excited to make their way through the house. And again, never stopping to think about the fact that there is one way in and therefore one way out. Yeah. <laughs> and if this one way out were to become inaccessible, well, we don't worry about that, honey. It's nothing. Okay. Yeah. We don't have time to think about that. Think about the views. Okay. 10 million views. I don't even know. <laughs> the moral of the story is name. don't date Ben. I don't. I'm, Leave Ben anyway. alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> if you're dating a Ben, stop. Yeah, stop dating Ben's. Uh, eventually, while exploring the house, they encounter some unsettling, spooky, and haunted things. Like, uh, the ch there's a children's room that's eerie and not in the usual way that a child's bedroom completely submerged underwater and frozen in time would be. Um, <laughs> but rather, because <laughs> that in itself, again, would have been sufficient. Uh, instead, this particular child had some odd hobbies, such as stabbing photos through the antlers of a dead deer. Yeah. On their vanity. Uh, okay. They also have like video equipment amidst their dolls and girlish delights. It's like super weird. And then Ben thinks he sees a silhouette of a girl on the bed, but shrugs it off when nothing is there because I don't know, maybe it was a fish. Yeah. 
trick of the light down here in the middle of the water. Um, I also forgot to mention that they have this underwater compatible drone that follows them around named Tom, like a peeping Tom. And this camera is a fun tactic for them to send into a room first to scope it out and make sure it was safe. And I was like, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of all the decisions. get that. Yeah. I love that. Like them sending it in every time I'm like, yeah, good idea. Cause I'm not going in there. Like those parts, like when they're first exploring the house I was genuinely like frightened yeah it was like you know like a found footage film where you're kind of like what's going on like you I don't want to go in the room you're going in the room why are you going in the room yeah it was chill for a while (laughs) in terms of like being actually scary and fun yeah like they the characters were annoying and like in a way that's even more than regular horror protagonists are because oftentimes they always do the things you're yelling at them in the screen not to do these ones are exceptionally bad at it like (laughs) or just like there's a sufficient amount of gaslighting happening to tina and um but the the camera going in there first was really efficient they have like one part where there's like they hear a piano Uh which is like i don't know how like anyway they hear a piano and they're like must be another diver like was it pierre like did pierre also lug oxygen next to you no he what do you mean was it pierre like no one can hold their breath the 20 minutes it took you to get down i can't with them idiots absolute idiots (laughs) like in a way i've never anyway in the kitchen they send uh tom into a kitchen the camera and it glitches and when the couple go to explore the room they find a giant jesus statue hanging on the wall normal uh but it's not a wall it's actually a hidden door and again without asking why would people want to hide this secret door with literally jesus yeah if that symbolism isn't there enough for you they take jesus from his perch where he was protecting us and they head on in yeah to the room he was trying to protect us from Okay. And they put him on the ground. I was like, it's so rude. Like, they just toss Jesus to the side. Like he's trash. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> in there, they find more rolls of footage and a couple hanging above a pentagram. They are chained up and they got these weird masks on and they're like, it must be some medieval torture. It's not. Apparently they just did it for kicks or whatever. Um, but it's above a pentagram. <laughs> And Venge is like, uh, oh, it's a pentagram. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that's a regular run-of-the-mill thing to see underwater in an abandoned house that's been sealed Like, up. that's already been pretty creepy this whole yeah. time. And it's like, when I was watching, I was like, hey, who dropped all these red flags? <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, then a creaky door opens, and of course, Ben goes in there, and he finds body parts and jars, because why not? And this is the last straw for Tina. Now she's had it, and she asks him to leave. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> I've already been, I've already left because I never went down there. Um, but big surprise, though, their one way out yeah. is now a brick wall because of satanic witchcraft. Yeah. And things spiral out here as they continue to make more bad decisions and Tina becomes increasingly appropriately panicked. Yeah. Um, and some of it was pretty cool. 
like when it came to that. Um, so some truly frightening things. So I was really excited to watch this film and, and I also genuinely enjoyed it. And I know how you feel but I really did. Like the first time I was like, whoa, that's really cool. So even with its silliness and how angry I was at Ben through the entire piece, I was still having a good time. And so yeah. Kat is afraid of the ocean because we don't know what's down there, right? But I get claustrophobic, which means films in space or certain underwater films like Underwater or The Deep House yeah. also really frighten me because <laughs> we shouldn't be down there. We don't Agreed. belong underwater. Yeah. You are at the mercy of the equipment and the environment around you. Like it's not a person. <laughs> you know, it's not a ghost. It's not a person. It's, it's just really just like the, the environment. Yeah. And that's scary to me. That's where Reasonably. I want to know. So you are always one malfunction, one cave-in, one false step, or one creature away from death. Yeah. When you're in there. So here's a list of things that scared me about this film. Uh, one hour is not enough oxygen to be exploring a whole house. And you don't even know where it is exactly because you didn't plan to go to this house. So you don't have a map. You have no idea. Like you need to have all the information before you're like, I got one hour. Let's just pop in, yeah. pop out. You, what if it took an hour to get there? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know anything. Like you're too, you're too cavalier, Ben. What are we doing? No one knows where you are. Which yeah. is a problem, remember, with The Descent. Um, that's a problem with, I think, the one where the white people be on the tower. They shouldn't be up there. Yeah. The guy gets his arm trapped. It's always people, like, out somewhere they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> deep, what is it? Deep water also happens all the time. But no one knows where you are. Pierre, who turns out is also a villain. Ben is the villain, but Pierre is also bad. Uh, brought them there with intentions um yeah. and it is very far from their original intended location so you're in the middle of the woods and now underwater you have disappeared you were yeah. a disappeared person you were missing gone forever no one's coming to find you they don't know yeah <laughs> to do that right they went into the house when there were no exits other than one precarious window that could at any time become obstructed bearing your only escape Yes, there's a stupid supernatural part where there's a wall in front of it. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know what their powers are, but somehow there's a wall in front of the window. But even if that hadn't happened, like, we could have had a real thing happen. Like, like a very heavy piece of furniture fell in front of it or something. Like, yeah. people die in cars underwater because they can't move the... <sighs> They never discuss the issue of swimming too fast to the surface, okay? At least in 47 meters down, we get an explanation of that. These two never took a diving certification class. No one uses sign language or any of, like, the information like that they used to communicate by divers. Yeah. I think one time they do, like, an okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, and, like, they do, I think someone does a thumbs up, which is up, not we're all good. So, yeah. clearly, they don't know what they're talking about. And they rely on the audio and they rely on Tom. And they also get split up. It's a whole thing. Tom is an evil robot. <laughs> and I don't know why he was evil, but he was. Because <laughs> there was just times when he was glowing red. And he was all like, I can't let you do that, Tina. He didn't say that, but that's what it was. Yeah. Like, that was the vibe. So he was scary. Like, he was a great tool to explore. But then he was evil. Like, she kept being like Tom. And he was like, <laughs> like why are you evil all of a sudden like that scared me and then the unanswered question of why everything was in good shape despite being submerged underwater before the protagonists were even born yeah 
Like, what? No one answered that. But what was that? That was scary. I was like, that's pretty peculiar. Things that did not scare me in this film. The ghosts. They were spooky at first. Like, for seeing them preserved was really interesting when they were, like, hanging there. Yeah. And then, like, the one time when she was, like, behind him. Yeah. And they, like, are trying to escape. I was like, oh, jump scare. Like, the fish. Yeah. Caught me. Um, <laughs> and, uh. I absolutely understand the challenges of filming people without suits underwater and trying to be scary because yeah. that's all they could do is flow. I get it. There's, there's restrictions, but I really could have just done without them completely. The real horror was just being underwater. <laughs> so, One like, thousand percent me. agree. Um, and I get it. Cause it's supposed to be like the haunted house or whatever, but how, what was so the other thing that was not scary was any of the satanic cult plot, if that's what it is. It was very messy. The family was sacrificing, spoilers, farm kids to Satan for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> question mark, question mark. And I don't know what they were getting in return or if they're just evil. And the kids were involved. It was like a whole family affair. But the town figures it out and bars them inside. They kill the girl. Pierre escapes, spoilers, Pierre is the child of these people. Um, and then the the adults are chained in the basement. But they're when they're first exploring the house, they find a wall, like a door in front of the door, because the whole house was shut up. Again, remember? And inside of that front barricade, there's scratches on the door. But it was like, those were there after they locked the family in there. Because they would not have this crazy front door in front of their regular door. You don't see that in the flashback. So it was clearly put there to keep them in there when the water was coming. And so why are there scratch marks? When the girl's dead, Pierre's gone, the parents are downstairs. <laughs> no one could have done those scratch marks. Doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> so that part was like, oh. Um, if they were trying to say that it was the kids who were abducted, then it would have made sense to have it in the basement or in that one door than to have it at the front door. Um, yeah. also what do pierre and these ghosts get from this they get to live preserved underwater i guess for what like they yeah, get to live do they get to live again is killing just fun do dig inherit the earth like what ha they're just down in the water and they get to float <laughs> we all float down here like i yeah, don't know what I the know. goal is things that scared me that i'm ashamed to admit the damn fish, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's popping in and out. It's really creepy looking. It's a gross no fish, thanks. yeah. No, thank you. Um, the directors are quoted as saying, but here we wanted the audience to have the visceral feeling of being in this element and that it can be as scary and as dreamlike. Um, and yeah, it was scary and dreamlike. And Until... then it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the most interesting part of this film and why I enjoyed it so much was the actual filmmaking aspect. Because the whole time I was like, what? I was like, are those really the actors? Like, were they in the suits or is there professional divers in the suits? And it's just them doing voiceover because sometimes it feels disconnected. Like their yeah. voices don't match their actions. Like There's a part where she's like freaking out, but she's like not freaking out bodily language freaking out um but no from what i could see and tell the actors are in the suits so yeah <laughs> um but the audio still might have been different so i found myself wondering how any of it was possible and what the challenges may have been with having a film shot almost entirely underwater except for that beginning part where we're traveling everything's underwater 
Um, and thanks to a helpful interview on Bloody Disgusting called The Deep House. Alexander uh, Bustillo and Julian Mori on the challenges of filming a haunted house movie underwater by Megan Navarro. I found answers. And here are some of the challenges and experiences um, as explained by the directors. They said, the process of shooting underwater came step by step. All the security around it and shooting eight to 10 hours a day underwater. It's very exhausting. And how to deal with the fact that it's almost three times slower underwater than a regular shoot. As soon as you want to move something in the set, you have to call through the microphone. Okay, we need to move the pots on the chimney, please. You have a diver going down to the chimney and taking the pot and say, okay, here, no, 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 on the left, more, 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 no, stop, no, too much, back 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 it was quite frustrating in the beginning because we are the kind of directors that are on set with the, all the crew we are touching everything and we are changing stuff ourselves we are talking to the actors and we are playing for the actors and here we were on the surface everyone else was underwater uh we are sitting in front of our monitors with our microphones and giving our orders to everyone in the beginning it was quite frustrating but it was the way to do it um, and this is a haunted house film. And so there are ghosts, like we said, right? However, the ghosts we see are regular people just underwater without dive suits. Um, and they ended up being a bit funny on screen, but I think using them instead of CGI or practical effects was a positive, um, because it would have been even cheesier. And, and when you think about the fact that these are just regular people, just like, <gasps> holding their breath and floating, <laughs> yeah. like, I get why they were like, oh. What do I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the two leads of the film get dive suits and most likely much training on safety, hopefully. And the ghosts are out there just free ball in the water, you know? Which is like, terrifying. Like, there's that's very much like setting yourself for incidents, too. Because it's like it's so you're scary. in rooms underwater, you know? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. when asked about how they approached their ghosts, Bustillo answered candidly, the ghosts were a real problem at the beginning. We didn't know how to do the ghost. We thought maybe we could use special effects, but no, it's too expensive. It will not work underwater. One day we spoke with some crew members and one suggested that maybe we could use a free diver. We started to look after free divers who could possibly play a ghost in a horror movie. And we found a couple of older free divers to play the parents, but the more complicated challenge was to find the young girl. It's very difficult to find a girl around 11 or 12 years old who could dive for real without oxygen at six meters down. We were lucky, we were very lucky there too because we found Carolina Massey in Monaco. She was only 11 years old during the shooting, but she was a free diver since maybe three or four years ago. Free diving is her passion. She's trained by the world champion of free diving in Monaco, Pierre Froba. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it, again, it has like, now I have more appreciation. Like there's this 11 year old floating around and she was the scariest part. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was in places. Like she wasn't just like, <laughs> coming at you. Um, then we were able to do all the stuff with ghosts for real on the set and without CGI or special effects. All you can see on the screen was shot for real. We give her some oxygen and then action. They go underwater, they act, then up. It was very stressful for us, of course, because it's a little bit dangerous, a lot of bit dangerous, but it was incredible to watch on the screen. Wow, it looks for real and without effects and post-production CGI. We are not dealing with a green screen. It was a real joy for all the crew to, crew to watch. It's really, really creepy. Um, and I would agree. She was definitely, and like just having, like, it's silly, but I was like, if I'm down there and there's, I don't know what they can do. 
and I still don't know what they can do as a viewer because nothing was defined. So like, what happens when they're there and they do the flashing so they're closer? I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like if where is like a haunted attraction and it was like you got to go underwater, I'd be like. Yeah, it already we immediately know. Well, first of all, I think there's a lot of liability there. That'd be a problem. But yeah, yeah I can't breathe above ground. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just under. No. I ain't going in a place. Anyway, in an article on Variety titled The Deep House Directors Chat About Making the Bloom House Acquired Underwater Horror Film by Elsa Keslassi, the challenges are further explored. And they say, the Helmers explain that directing the actors under the water presented another level of difficulty because they couldn't be fully wired. And there's no Wi-Fi down there, points out Pastillo. We had an engineer who took months to create a system where we had antennas placed in the water, which were connected to one another another. This unique system required us to work with unusual crew members and allowed us to see the dailies on the monitor above water, says Maury. The pair explained that the house was built on large grids and progressively plunged into a nine meter deep water tank that was 20 meters wide. Near the water tank was a warehouse where the decors were being fabricated. We couldn't leave the whole house in the water for days at a time because the decors would have been ruined Exactly. <laughs> so we would immerse only parts of the house underwater and we're shooting scenes floor by floor. We could only immerse one meter per hour, which represented six meters, says Busillo. Um, the whole process was crazy and we owe it to Jacques Blard, who was a master of underwater filming. Blard notably created Beyonce's aquatic music video, Runnin', says Maury, and in order to create the muddy look of the water and give it some density, the director said some food items such as mashed Brussels sprouts were thrown in it. Basilla says <laughs> he wanted the picture to be beautiful as well as nightmarish. I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> like they had like these set pieces because the, I was like, How, you can't get a whole house down there. And the way that it looks, it couldn't be something that's already a house that's down there, you yeah. know, because um, it wouldn't look that way yeah. after all this time. So I was like, that's so cool. They had to do it in segments and they had to like submerge them and then be like, all right, we're all, do we're doing all the living room. So you come <laughs> in and out at different points of the time, do it really quick because now the stuff is decaying because it's underwater. Um, yeah. Put in some more mashed potatoes. Like, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> it was like, it would have been so fun to be on that set. Um, Anyway, so as a found footage film, I enjoyed this exploration of a sunken home, and I was stressed and worried about what they would find in each room, and the drone to um, Tom was a great tool to explore for them, and it really reminded me of how I sometimes play a horror video game where I'm trying to use the mechanics to, like, peek around a corner before I go inside, um, and before any supernatural plot points were introduced, I was having a good spooky time. Ultimately, I still really enjoyed the film and recommend it if you're looking for a fun, thoughtless time. Like, you got to be as thoughtless yeah. as the protagonist. <laughs> Don't ask too many questions. It's like in Snowpiercer, like, you can't really ask any questions about, like, physics, you know? Like, you can't be like, yeah, what makes train go? Who's, who's maintaining the tracks? <laughs> yeah. No one's asking those questions. We don't ask those questions, just focus on the story, right? Yeah. Um, but I did, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but I did want to um, kind of touch on two pieces of media that cover sunken cities specifically, um, because we didn't watch them for this episode, but while we were doing research for the episode, it was like, oh, wait, <laughs> we yeah, couldn't watch any too. of these other things that actually apply. Um, 
And so Kat is going to explain those horrors of like actual sunken cities in their section um, where many communities and groups of people were completely wiped out in those sunken cities and for very specific reasons. Um, but there are two pieces of media that came to mind while we, where I thought if we wanted to focus less on a haunted house, but underwater, <laughs> Yeah. kind of spin uh instead and instead on horrors of sunken cities i would have covered these other things so there is a terrible episode and i say it's that's <laughs> doesn't really mean anything because every single one of those episodes are terrible yeah. of american horror stories the like uh anthology series <laughs> they're all pretty bad there was one that i liked and it had um uh gabaret uh Gab Gabri Tibide, uh who played Precious. Um mm. she was great. Anna had Schmidt. Okay. That's interesting. Uh that one was cool. And uh that's maybe one other one that was interesting, but all of them were pretty bad. But there's one titled Lake and it is about a mysterious drowning that uncovers secrets at the bottom of this lake. And the big reveal, spoilers for a show you should not watch, is that the ancestors of the boy who drowned were responsible for the town being flooded in the first place. And they had profited off of all of it, despite the deaths of the residents then and the visitors now. However, the victims and villains of this episode were both incredibly white, and I feel like it completely skipped over the realities of these sunken cities in that the victims were almost always BIPOC folk, yeah. um, which is why Kat was helpful enough to show me an episode of Atlanta, because it actually covers that. Because I was like, this was a terrible episode, but it does cover sunken cities. It's yeah. just like white on white crime, and it's like, why aren't we talking about that more? Um, yeah. <laughs> In the first episode of season three of Atlanta called Three Slaps, we open with two men fishing. So it's just like this part about the sunken cities is at the beginning. Um, yeah. We open with these two men fishing, one white and one black. The black fisherman explains that he always feels uncomfortable and frightened of the lake. So he's like, we should skedaddle because it's getting yeah. dark. And he expresses his fear and recounts a harrowing story from his youth here. And he says, this place always gave me the heebie-jeebies, man. I almost drowned in the water when I was like eight, he explains, noting that he felt like he was being pulled. The white fisherman responds that he believes him and that it was, it might just be true. Because <laughs> he divulges that it's a whole town underneath us. This whole lake used to be a town. Houses, farms, roads, there's a whole raceway down there. State government built a dam, flooded the place. Anyone who didn't leave drowned. And furthermore, he explained, town was black, dude. A self-governing black town. Distressed, the black man responds, so there are black people under us right now? And he says, a lot of souls down there. That's what pulled you under. Um, and in this article I found, uh, they say, as a white man muses on about the sunken city, the lake's haunted past, and the blinding effects of whiteness, his voice begins to muffle and his eyes disappear. We're cursed too, the white man says, as an array of dark-skinned arms ascend from the water, dragging the black man into its depths. And I am thankful <laughs> that Bustillo and Maury stuck to their, albeit sloppy, satanic plot device. Yeah, because they um, would have done it right. <laughs> It would have been weird. Um, yeah. the, the film is set in their home country of France. And so their lakes aren't ripe with the racism and violent history that we have here in places like Lake Lanier. They have their own history, also violent, but different. Yeah. And so it wouldn't have made any sense. So I think perhaps a young filmmaker out there could learn from this film how they too could tell a haunting story of a sunken city 
but also explore the true horrors under the water. That of the American way. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> so I liked it. For, but <laughs> pr- probably not for like, like, I I know there's people out there who's like, this was trash. I thought um, it was really fun until like halfway through when they just decided to put plot in there that didn't make any sense. It's so and weird. There's so many like, questions. <laughs> it kept it, going too. Yeah. It was just, if they just made it scary underwater time, like if the, instead of there being a stupid brick wall and like wall Jesus, like other things, like there's <laughs> like dumb things in there that was like, it really didn't need to be this. You could have literally just made it like seem like it was haunted. Maybe you think it's haunted the whole time and it's not. It's just these people should not be down there. And this house is a death trap. And I would have been like, this is the best film Wow. Ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah I would have <laughs> loved it. But then you inserted like this really weird storyline that I was like, I don't understand. And then I was so mad with how much I didn't understand that I just stopped enjoying the movie entirely. Yeah. It's also like. Pierre sent them down there, but the house couldn't really, like, the people didn't start moving around until Ben took off their masks. But, yeah. like, what if they just never did that? Yeah. <laughs> like, then they're just trapped in there anyway. Just dumb. For, like, why? Like, it was just dumb. And as mm-hmm. you said, like, you don't know what they're getting out of it. Like, is is it so that they just get to just be pruny forever underwater? Yeah. Like, yay? Love that. <laughs> Thanks, devil. <laughs> Wish I could be that forever. Yeah, like one, I guess like you shouldn't be encouraging people to join join cults, but like also like what are they getting out of this? Like what is the benefit? And then yeah, he's like gonna join a cult. You have to have a good reason. Yeah, and like suddenly he's just like, This is the chosen path. And you're like, why though? I don't understand <laughs> why you've suddenly been possessed in this way. Like there's no plot. Yeah, and what yeah. did you accomplish? And he's like, the house knows, and there's a snake, and you're like why was there a snake? She mentioned because the devil of snakes. Like she in the woods, she like jumped. Yeah, but it was, was like, like two was seconds. It was like two seconds, and um, <laughs> it's very bad. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like the movie, <laughs> but <laughs> I also recognized it wasn't for me. Um, yeah. and that's fine. Um, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Tell us, tell us some other stuff. Yeah. Bring us, bring us in here. Well, I have a little intro. I thought it was good, so I'm still going to say it. <laughs> do it. Do it. So this film is really weird. And although parts of it, as I said, were interesting, genuinely scary, and overall fun, much of the plot and some of the acting were just missing entirely from yeah, it. Um, the act also, just as a general thing, I can't deal with people when they're acting and it's bad. Like, mm-hmm. when I feel there is disingenuousness, I feel so physically uncomfortable that, like, I want to leave. Um, and there's, like, times where that's fun in movies and times mm-hmm. where it's, like, I really just hate this. And this yeah. is one of those I really just hate this because, like, their relationship just wasn't believable. So much of their conversations were, like, really awkward and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, like, as actors, they were uncomfortable underwater. Um mm-hmm. Or, like, maybe they were really just divers, and they needed divers, and they weren't actually actors, so they were learning how to act while underwater. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the story was. All I know is that it, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and the closer we got to the end of the film, the more I just totally lost interest in, like, what was happening, because I didn't understand what was happening. Uh, and it wasn't in, like, a fun way, like uh, the books we read 
Mm -hmm. where it was like cool that we didn't know because like questions are fun because then you get answers eventually maybe uh I didn't want to know the answers were because they were dumb um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it probably didn't help that the plot was like super predictable in that I called the big reveal within like the first one fourth of the movie. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. a picture underwater and I was like, Pierre sent them there because the house eats them and he's their family. Mm-hmm. Like I said that to myself and I think I texted it to you and I was like, well, I was right and that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I will say is the film was very well done visually and it was very satisfying visually to watch. Uh and I think if I went into it with a different headspace with different expectations, I may have enjoyed it a bit more. Um I recognize my own like bias <laughs> in that <laughs> and overall with this watch, I was expecting more emotionally and mentally and in that area it was lacking significantly for me and i also recognize that like there's a cultural difference between the perspective of this french film and my very american experience always like educating myself on these horrific things that i was like i don't know i just like expected <laughs> to learn something i guess i don't mm-hmm. know uh, and it didn't it was just a fun underwater haunted house film and that's fine uh but as i said as gabe's mentioned and i'm going to talk about it's like, I don't know, I had a hard time enjoying it because I was like, I just expected it to like be talking about something or like educating me on something. And as like an American where there's actual towns that have been intentionally buried underwater, like I just expected more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's not their place to tell that story because they told the story that was their story and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I guess I just was expecting to like learn something because as ghouls in general we just approach movies all the time with the mentality that horror is always saying something and it just made me hard it made it hard for me to actually enjoy the film because I kept waiting for it to tell me something and then it never did mm-hmm. um but all that's to say that the film is fine it just wasn't for me and if it was for you awesome I really yeah. hope you enjoyed it uh because it was fun I imagine it would be fun uh, if I went into it with a different time um, and I also want to say I didn't want like a trauma movie either. I just wanted mm-hmm. something to like make me think or feel anything afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did do some research on like why are they writing about underwater house? Uh, what's happening in France that would motivate underwater house time? Um, if that's a thing, I just was trying to connect dots. I was trying to like mm-hmm. make it say something to me. Give them some credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a list of possible reasons why they focused on flooding and underwater houses in this film. <laughs> um, so specifically in France, there seems to be some reasonable anxiety around the sinking or flooding of cities because of the threat of climate change and the fact that France has a decent amount of coastal towns, um, mm-hmm. that result in like rising water levels from climate change, um, both in like ocean side as well as lakeside um i will say they seem to be less at risk than some of the northern countries but it does seem a fair amount of their coastal cities will see damage and significant flooding as water levels continue to rise i actually found a like cool list but also like an article that talked about this and they said climate central's warming choices map shows several districts of bordeaux falling under sea levels and temperature as they increase from 3C above pre-industrial levels in the very long term. Uh, The Palace de Quinciense, for example, will be almost largely submerged. Uh, Further south, uh, Anglais would also be partially submerged with the Cavaliers Beach falling underwater. Uh, The Côte d'Azur would also be hard hit with the city's airport shown surprisingly as partially submerged in the long-term future, even at 1C, which I don't know what that means. 
maybe, maybe Celsius, maybe. and almost entirely covered at 2C. It could just be like the labeling like for C the levels. Yeah, C levels. Um, other popular towns and cities in the areas, such as Canes and Antibes, uh, and the Principality of Monaco, will also be impacted by these rising sea levels um, in the north. Virtually all of Calais and Dunkirk will fall under the sea, even with temperatures increasing by just 1.5, I think it is Celsius, uh, above pre-industrial levels. Uh, as this map, which I've linked, shows uh, the time frame for when these dramatic changes could take place remains vague, with Climate Central saying that the diverse research indicates that these sea levels could be realized between 200 and 2,000 years from now. Um, but either way, it's like our kids will experience that. <laughs> Um, and then Benjamin Strauss, president and CEO of Climate Central, has recently co-authored a paper titled Unprecedented Threats to the Cities from Multi-Century Sea Level Rise. And that goes into like more detail about it. Um, but essentially, there have also just been a lot of like history of flooding in France, which is not something that I knew, uh, as well as recently that that's taken place. Specifically, the River Seine and Paris has a history of flooding, as well as the other rivers in France, because of either rainfall or um, just like the way the cities are built, it seems like they're prone to flooding, um, which could be why the topic of flooding in a house being taken by water may have seemed like an interesting plot point. Um, as a more random fun fact, I also read something of a source that may or may not have been accurate based on the fact that it was from a random WordPress site. Uh, but essentially that there are filmmakers in the 1960s that were making a mermaid movie. They built a miniature underwater city for a film they are making that still exists today. And the WordPress site says, if you look from the port of Golf Juan towards Ile St. Marguerite, you'll see a small striped lighthouse, La Pierre Formigui, uh, midway in the bay. 30 meters underwater near this lighthouse lie the remains of a thousand M2 French town, complete with ramparts, church, hotel, hairdressers, town square, and amphitheater. But they're like little mini ones. Like they're, it's like a cute set that they made under yeah. there. It's not a real city. Um, yeah. So like, those are all super fun. Uh, and maybe that's what they were poking fun at. Or maybe it was just thought it was like a cool idea, which it was, it was, it was cool. Mm -hmm. Underwater time, love it. <laughs> but uh, as we said, sunken towns is like a really real thing in America. In fact, there are like hundreds of them. <laughs> Maybe more. I don't know. It was a lot. Uh, I knew I was going to find a lot, but like the volume with which I found sunken towns was like, ugh. Yeah. Sadness. Um, reasonably. So I'm going to talk about, about that. And if you don't want to hear about that, because it's really stressful and you don't wish to be stressed right now or traumatized, uh, it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. click away go to the end i'm sure we'll be talking about something else by the end of this. we'll have mm -hmm. a cute little outro it'll be great um but uh, essentially the first time i heard about this was from the viral video by amber ruffin which she's had a few um on the amber ruffin show she's a comedian her. yeah she's great um Amazing. where they start to discuss like black towns uh that were destroyed to make way for lakes and parks um and like i had like i knew about the central park situation i forget seneca village mm -hmm. was it yeah, um, I knew about that one, but I did not know about the lakes thing or like the reservoirs, dams, other things that they had done to like hundreds of towns uh, across America. But apparently there are unfortunately many towns uh, in America that were vacated in quotes because they were forcefully relocated mm -hmm. or just straight up like 
drowned, um, demolished and flooded to make way for dams, reservoir, and lakes. The list that I'm about to talk about doesn't even include the communities that were forced to relocate for other non-water-based infrastructure yeah. projects. Um, and that list, I'm sure, is even longer. Uh, I say many, like literally in all caps, because the amount of locations I found in my search was way more than I could even kind of cover in 30 minutes or less. Um, so I'm going to touch on some and then list other locations. So like, if you're interested and want to know more, you can go look into it mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, and as I was talking to Gabe before this, because I was like, this is not enough time to cover all these things. She was like, uh, we could cover it again later. You know, we, we could talk about sunken towns again later. And maybe we will. Uh, we likely will, because we're going to be going on forever. So we're going to eventually need to talk about more things. And likely one of those things will be this in more detail. Uh, but it seems that... Uh, there are a lot of locations that this happened to and that these forced relocations happen largely, although not exclusively, in the West and predominantly impact BIPOC communities. Um, there were some articles I found that discussed the sunken towns in a way that was kind of uncomfortable, too, in that they mention who is impacted, but discuss it in a way that does not in any way give enough respect, in my opinion, to the devastation that was attached to those forced mm-hmm. relocations, using words like mm-hmm. development and progress and other gross words that America uses often to euphemize or euphemism away yeah. hate crimes. Um, they're like, it was for a reason though. And it was like, no, it yeah. wasn't though. <laughs> like it was for white people. It was just cause. Say that. Like, yeah, you just wanted to hurt through racism millions of people and you did that. Great job, guy. Um, but the one article that I found that had a lot of like very specific information was one of those, but I will say like the way that they talk about it is very much like just in a documentation mm-hmm. kind of way. Like they're just telling you it yeah. happened is a record. Uh, they do not give any opinion mm. or critique in any way. Hmm. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. Um, but it's from the center of land use interpretation interpretations newsletter, the lay of the land spring 2005. So there could even be more in there. Um, I just specifically found 2005's version and it's titled immersed remains town submerged in America. Um, and they go into kind of detail about, a few of these that were specifically relocated and flooded for uh, dams and reservoirs. So Elbow Woods, North Dakota, Kennett, California, Enfield, Massachusetts, Never Sink, New York, which is just like (laughs) ironic. Um, Butler, Tennessee, St. Thomas, Nevada. Each of these towns represents a different element of America's development in quotes um yet they all share the same fate they and hundreds of other communities like them were vacated demolished and flooded to make way for dams and reservoirs their remnants persist preserved underwater and sometimes emerge as reminders of what was Mm. not allowed to be um so elbow woods north dakota was a flooded plain uh it was one of several native american towns along the missouri river which were predominantly or permanently flooded following the completion of the Garrison Dam in North North Dakota in 1953. Um, Essentially, it seems like they set it up as if that wasn't going to happen, Um, but that uh, the third largest reservoir in the country flooded a quarter of the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation, forcing the relocation of 325 families, nearly 80% of the population of the reservation at the time. 
Many moved to newly established community in Newtown, where now 1,500 members of the three affiliated tribes live uh, next to apparently a casino. But that was a lot of people that were forcefully relocated for a dam, a garrison dam, um, and were flooded. So Kennett, California is apparently an old mining town. Uh, it is a faded, faded relic in Boomtown self of the time. It was flooded by Lake Shasta in 1944, but it was still home to a hundred plus people, uh, basically people who had traveled during the gold rush and other areas of California. Um, and it was flooded essentially in 1944. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say that that was intentional, but it says that it was entirely flooded and the town now rests below 400 feet of water, along with many region smelters, paint factories, and mines, um, as well, surrounded by cool. despoiled soils. Um, Never Sink, New York. Uh, they say it's Gotham's Thirsty Reach. I don't really know what that means, uh, but I thought it was an interesting little qualifier. Um, Never Sink, who's name is said to be derived of the word nawasink meaning continuously mm. flowing in uh the native uh language of that area uh and it was larger of two communities that were removed from the reservoir site in 1942 so essentially 340 people were evicted from the valley and seven or 6149 acres were condemned um some buildings were relocated to nearby towns though most were bulldozed and burned in a Yikes. final harvest. Uh, trees were removed, cellars were filled in, privies disinfected, and even barnyard manure was said to have been dug up uh, to be relocated and to maintain New York City's reputation for having the finest quality drinking water possible. Um, the Neversink Reservoir began to flood the land on June 4th, 1953, and took two years to fill. Also, New York's water is polio <laughs> right now, so I don't know. It, well, this was 1942. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the next one is Enfield, Massachusetts. As I said, they're not all in the West or the South. Uh, apparently, the scenic New England village uh, were essentially demolished, deforested by over a thousand woodpeckers, immigrant workers from Boston who at times ran amok in quotes in the doomed landscape as i said yeah. this is like written like in a way that totally does not give cadence to how um devastating this was um and that they were living in vacated houses along the main streets burning churches without authorization so i don't really know but essentially there was a town there uh the valley was on fire apparently for many months uh where 2500 people were relocated 7,000 bodies from local cemeteries were re it turned onto higher ground. Um, and then they were flooded essentially in 1946. Uh, the, I think it was a dam that was built. Yeah. The Valley of the dam is what they named it. So a dam was built, uh, for one purpose only to serve as drinking waters for the needs of Boston, 60 miles away. Uh, still called the largest single-purpose reservoir in the nation, is the city's primary wow. water source. So, as I said, they buried an entire stretch of land for Boston. Um, in Butler, Tennessee, uh, Butler was the was the largest single community and the only incorporated town was 
removed by the Tennessee Valley Authority throughout the entire massive depression area public works project to modernize and electrify rural parts of the seven southeastern United States. Uh, Butler was the commercial center for the Watuga Valley in eastern Tennessee um, and the only real town in the region with a population of around 600 people. It was a typical southern town with two barbershops, two beauty parlors, markets, Bluebird Cafe, hardware store, drugstore, a few service stations, hotels, churches, etc. Um, they were all located in the forested hills of Appalachia. Uh, and essentially in 1948, when the floodgates were closed, the Watuga Dam and Reservoir began flooding 458 square miles along the Watuga River. 735 families had been displaced, around 175 buildings, including shops, barns, churches, homes, were moved to higher ground to a new town in the site <laughs> of New Butler. Most buildings were demolished on site and 1,200 bodies were moved from grave sites. Some families opted to leave the graves of their ancestors undisturbed, so they are still there underneath. Mm. Um, and when Old Butler was exposed in 1983, drawdown conducted to the service of the dam, uh, they found a lot of stuff underneath of there. Oh, it was preserved? Uh, essentially, there was, yeah, there was a shoe store, a jailhouse, other foundational pieces, uh, and et cetera, long dead but preserved by the muddy water. Uh, not the last on my list, unfortunately. Um, St. Thomas, Nevada, like most of the early sediments in the desert southwest, St. Thomas was established in an area of available water. In this case, uh, apparently it's 50 miles northeast of where Las Vegas is now. Uh, this town started as a Mormon outpost in 1865 and was later part of a chain of agricultural communities in the valley following the Muddy River, including Moapa, Longdale, Overton. Um, there were otherwise I did not know Mormons desert. went that far uh, back. I didn't know that well. Yeah, apparently, apparently I did. Yeah. Um, a railroad spur survey in the valley of the U.S. 91 and the main highway to Los Angeles before Interstate 15 went through town making stops for motorists. So essentially there were ways to get to this. But in 1938, uh, Lake Mead crept northward, filling in the in behind the Buller Dam, St. Thomas, located at the lower elevation at the southern end of the valley, and that was flooded. So at the moment, at that moment, due to regional drought conditions, portions of 40 buildings are visible in the exposed remains of St. Thomas, including the old school, an ice cream parlor, and other foundational pieces uh, where former President Herbert Hoover apparently stayed in a hotel mm. that was buried under the water. Um, and the Boulder Dam, which flooded the town, was later renamed in his yeah. honor, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of other instances of drowned towns, specifically in Alabama, mm -hmm. in Georgia, like uh, the one that Gabe Lanier. mentioned earlier. That one's like super sad because Lanier. Uh, one is named after a Confederate soldier, so mm -hmm. like not even kind of subtle. Um, and like people yeah. drown there all the time because there's stuff underneath of there. Like they have to cut yeah. the trees to hide it. Um, to like protect the population from knowing the awful things that happened there. Well, I it's guess. like how the girl got uh, snagged but yeah, like, on like just debris in the movie. It's just like that's how easy it is. Yeah. Like you're just swimming and you get caught. 
Yeah, because there's like whole trees under there, an entire town, like houses, like an entire and... town, mm-hmm. just houses, everything under there, and people like go swimming there. They bring boats there and like mm-hmm. die because there's all this stuff under there that people can get swept into or caught on otherwise. Um, and that was like the example of like essentially there is this whole town there and a predominantly black town that was like self-sufficient and running and essentially there was the case of a girl who got beat up and they were like obviously we're gonna blame the town with mm-hmm. the black people in it so they blamed two teenagers that yeah. likely had nothing to do with it and then burned attacked exploited otherwise the town until people left and i guess if people didn't leave they just drowned them i don't really know um but essentially that one in georgia has a really upsetting history a Mm -hmm. lot of people just don't know about it yeah um which is awesome yeah like linear um and again (laughs) i saw another article um on alabama's al.com titled Drown Towns, What Traces of Ghost Cities Lie Beneath Alabama's Man-Made Lakes. And apparently there are mm-hmm. just a lot um, of man-made lakes that are just on top of cities, uh, or towns specifically. Um, Logan Martin Lake uh, was man-made and is on top of a town. Um, Lake Martin, specifically uh, Waterloo, a tiny patch of Lauderdale County that takes up a uh, Part of there, there's a lake under there that has a town under it. Riverton was a small Colbert County town flooded when Pickwick Dam was built on the Tennessee River. Um, It all kind of ties back to them trying to erase BOPC populations in really like gross and uncomfortable ways. Um, So there's just Mm -hmm. like an extremely long list, an uncomfortably long list of all these towns that exist. Uh, that is really upsetting to read about. Uh, but if you would like to read about it, I'm going to include like as many as I can find mm-hmm. in my blog. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, I kind of just said some of them as a jumping off point for you too. And maybe we'll come back to them, as I said before, to give a more like thorough overview because that was definitely mm-hmm. not enough information for you to get like a full picture ultimately. Yeah. And it's definitely not the only way or the first way that like, city or like city planning infrastructure was used as or like weaponized to erase entire communities of people that they just you know wanted to to do away with and and like in that episode of atlanta when you know he says it was like a self-made black town yeah like how often does that happen or entire reservations like those are people who've already been transplanted and put into these tiny areas are trying to make do and then they're like no you got to move again yeah and no one cares like yeah and the fact that they're like there you know isn't even that much written about it from that lens like they're you know because people yeah it was like it's covered up yeah it was like covered up and it was also like the language being used around it was very much just like it needed to happen though and it was like no it definitely didn't it definitely didn't um just because it wasn't like being exploited by white people doesn't mean it needed to happen like let other people exist and live and like Mm -hmm. have life or like Um, pick a different place you know like it didn't have to be that place i bet i bet there's other places that could have been um 
it's even mm-hmm. like just all the questions people have around even now um Louisiana post Katrina when they mm-hmm. flooded the dams like we they did that they broke those dams not the hurricane and so why were certain areas flooded of New Orleans that yeah they're just like opportunities were not and it's uh quite telling when you look at the demographics of those areas um and you're like hmm. Um, but it's it's been it's an old trick of America to be like oh it's for improvement yeah they a like specific only, type of society yeah and I mean they say they stopped doing it like seventies on mm-hmm. like there was an instance I don't remember the exact place but like as recently as like nineteen ninety I believe mm-hmm. um, and if Katrina was that then. As recently, I don't remember what year that happened, but it was that was recent. Something, yeah, and like instead they just call it something else, you know, or it's just opportunity instead of strategic in that way. Which is like, well, well, it's here. Um, Yeah, it's all very interesting. Don't believe that people would do that, but they would. Like, there's a long history to represent the fact that they would, and they have, and they will continue to do so. If If y'all learned about Tulsa, y'all learned about it. Yeah. Like, need us say more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, people are 1 million percent capable of doing such awful things, and actively have. (laughs) So, mm -hmm. like, it's not shocking. It's just, like, upsetting. Which, like, for all the terrible that the American Horror Stories episode like was like it was poorly acted which is weird because Alicia Silverstone was in it and she's usually a fine actor um but the whole thing where it was like money was the driving force where there was just like these wealthy people who were like we're gonna make money um and they didn't care how many people died I was like yeah that's totally like yeah again it was like white and white crime so it was like the poor folks were the ones which is like I can understand, depending on who's behind the camera and creating this, Ryan Murphy, uh, that you wouldn't want to put black bodies in that water and have that be a part of your narrative. Like, not touching that is totally good. And again, I'm like totally fine with the fact that that's how the lake covered it and that's like the point of view they went with and why like, I think so that's the story that they have the right to tell yeah they yeah. didn't have the right to tell the other story yeah which is why like atlanta did a great job even just hint like even a little bit it was just at the beginning of an episode and the rest of the episode was even just something else i didn't know about until i watched that episode i was like Oh, God. So much of what that show covers is like, whoa, no one's talking about those things. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think, like, someone could easily learn from, like, you know, these directors have now journeyed (laughs) and learned how to create content in a horror film underwater to this degree so someone else can run with that idea and now actually like apply it to some real world horror things and do the things that horror like that horror can do that we appreciate yeah um but you know for what they did they did a good job doing what they (laughs) like you know they're telling their stories which i think like this episode that we're making is similar to those ideas where it's just like i think we could cover sunken cities definitely again there's going to be yeah. content out there and um i think we would be able to you know expand on it more so i see it coming back yeah i see it coming back too and like yeah that we can do like more information mm-hmm. um, and with more time and more organization too yeah 
It's a spooky month. So um, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about haunted people. And we're haunted all month long and the following month. We're going to be haunted in different places. We're going to be going places and doing stuff. And so we're very excited (laughs) Uh, and also stressed about it. But it's happening. And so, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you watched it. Check it out. Turn off your brain when you watch it and yeah, if you just have a fun time it's great it's a great yeah, fun time just enjoy yourself um yeah well don't get married slate your kids mm-hmm. or your kids will come back to see you in your sunken house uh bringing you new victims for satan i guess yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, num, num, num.